Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 22, Claudia. Here they come, here they come, called Karen Brewer. She meant Mickey and Minnie Mouse. The parade was moving down Main Street in the Magic Kingdom, and we were finally there to see it. And when I say we, boy do I mean we. Everyone was there. Christy and her family, the Pikes, and all of us babysitters. Plus, I was standing there with Timothy. Dom was with Parker and two little boys. The youngest Pike girls were with Mark Kubaki and his parents, and Christy had brought along Mr. Staples. Nobody sees a problem with this. I thought I'd even seen Alexandra, that weird friend of Marianne, hanging around. All the kids were in front, right on the curb for the best view of the parade. And the rest of us were standing behind them. The only person who could have made the group more complete was my secret admirer. Since we had been at Disneyland, he had left a stuffed animal at the door to our room and sent me some barrettes and a note saying I was, quote, as beautiful as ever. But he hadn't shown his face. I couldn't dwell on him, though. Not when I was holding Timothy's hand and feeling grown up. Some parade, huh? Timothy said to me. I'll say, I agreed. A gigantic upside-down birthday cake with a candle stuck in the bottom or the top went by, and Claire, Margot, Karen, and Andrew burst into giggles. A jolly, laughing Winnie the Pooh went by and waved to Mark Kubaki. It was Mark's turn to giggle. What a great sight. So why did Stacy suddenly look like she was about to cry? Her face crumpled up, just for a second. Then she made an effort to control herself. What was going on? I'd have to ask her about that later. Alice in Wonderland skipped down the street, and I watched her blow a kiss to Karen Brewer. Hey, Tim! Tim! Someone called from behind me. Karen pretended to catch the kiss and blow it back. Tim! The voice called more insistently. Timothy! I turned around. Did the person the voice belonged to mean my Timothy? I nudged him. I think someone's calling you, I said. Timothy had turned bright red. Nah, was all he said. But at that moment, a hand clamped down on his shoulder. Timothy! Hey, little brother, are you in outer space? It was that weird girl, Alexandra Carmody. Little brother? You're Timothy's sister? I asked the girl. Unfortunately. Well, that makes sense. That explains how he's able to buy her all this stuff. His family's rich. I mean, they're all rich, but his family is like performer rich, like richy rich. So, okay. Okay, that all plays out. How come you didn't tell me you had a sister? I exclaimed, turning to Timothy. Timothy opened his mouth, but before any words escaped, Alexandra said, There's probably a lot you don't know about Timothy. I couldn't help it. I took the bait. Like what? I asked. Like who our parents are, said the girl. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess they'd be Viv and Vernon Carmody, I said slowly. Marianne had told me everything about Alex, but neither of us had realized that Alex's brother was Timothy. The girl raised her eyebrows. So you talked to her already, Timothy. Good for you. And see, she still likes you. Alexandra looked at me. I told Tim he'd have to confess about the secret admirer stuff before the trip ended. It was only fair, she added. You're Timothy's sister, exclaimed another voice. Marianne was at my elbow. 
My head was spinning. The parade was marching by and we were all missing it. Well, I tried to tell you, Alexandra said indignantly to Marianne, but you wouldn't let me. I looked from Marianne to Alexandra to Timothy with my mouth open. Timothy just kept staring at the ground. You mean you were going to tell me the truth? Marianne said to Alexandra. Yes. Marianne paused. Then, why do you lie so much? She asked. To get attention, Alexandra replied matter-of-factly. And to make life a little more interesting. For the same reasons Tim spies on people and hides in coiled up ropes and stuff. That's convenient. Just like that, we knocked out the uh, stowaway and we knocked out the secret admirer in one fell swoop. Make stuff interesting. When you're the children of Viv and Vernon Carmody, you tend to get lost in the shuffle. You have to find ways to... To... Marianne was frowning. But how come you just didn't tell the truth? She interrupted. It's clearly as interesting as your lies. Alexandra looked puzzled. I don't know, she said at last. Well, tell me the truth about one more thing, Marianne went on. No, two more things. Okay. Do you know Spider? Yes, I'll tell him the truth the first time. And he's not on this trip? No way. Ooh, said Marianne. Wait till I get my hands on Mallory. I thought it was weird that no one ever saw Spider after she did. Then she looked at Alexandra, and Alexandra looked at Marianne, and they burst out laughing. It looked like Marianne was going to forgive her after all. Like, why? Like, why? She didn't do anything to... All she did was told you that Spider was really her friend. And that makes it all good? Like, no. No. The... Mending of relationships in this book, the way that they do it is stupid. I turned my attention away from the hyenas. During their entire conversation, I kept hearing Alexandra's words. I told Tim he'd have to confess about the secret admirer stuff. I put my hand on Timothy's arm. What secret admirer stuff? I asked gently. Timothy shook his head. I was going to tell you, he said. I really was. Honest, after the parade or something, his voice trailed off. Dog, at the point where she's holding your hand at the parade and she ain't even think about a secret admirer, it's when you can be like, yo, did you like the bear I bought you? Boom, just like that. Secret admirer revealed, you sound suave, you could kiss her on the cheek or whatever. Y'all doing babysitter club books, probably give her like a, a friendship bracelet or something. I don't remember, this is the 80s, but you know, you could have done something. Like, just to ride it out is just dumb. Like, keeping a secret like that is much worse than the lies that Alexandra told. Because you're forging a relationship with this with this little girl. Because they're all little girls. They're 13. They're all little kids. And you're forging a relationship with this girl. And you know what you are. You know what you did. You know what you're doing. Just tell her true. Like, y'all are already hanging out and everything. So, there. You're my secret admirer? Timothy nodded. So, why'd you let me think you weren't? Because, I don't know. In case you thought the secret admirer thing was dumb, I guess. I wasn't sure what to say. I mean, Timothy rushed on. I found out pretty quickly that you really liked the idea of the secret admirer. But by then, it was too late. I had already made up that story about seeing a red-headed guy run by. He paused. Are you mad? No, I answered quickly. 
I'm... What was I? I had to admit that I was a little disappointed. My secret admirer wasn't Spider, although I hadn't really thought he might be. He wasn't a mysterious foreigner or a lonely prince. He wasn't even secret anymore. Furthermore, Timothy had lied to me. His lying was different from his sister's since he had done it with good intentions and probably because he was shy. Still, he had lied. I felt fooled. I feel fooled, I told him. That's not a typo. They said it twice. But unlike in the cartel, like she was thinking she felt fooled. And then she expressed it to him. I feel fooled. My son, Kid Awesome, when I'm going to tell y'all. As a parent of some only teenagers and adults now, I'm going to tell you newcomers to the game, record, 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 record your child to voice when they're three, record what they say when they're two, record their laughter as a baby, record their laughter as a toddler. Kid Awesome heard me say betrayed once. And he um, asked me what it meant. He was like four or three. And um, I told him what it meant. And he used it. And to his credit, he used it correctly going forward. But he couldn't say it right. So instead of betrayed, he'd say, and I'm going to say it with his voice too. I felt betrayed. B-E-C-H-Y-E-D. I felt betrayed. You never get those moments back. So try and make record of them, especially with Google Drive and all that stuff. Now you can literally record them doing it and then put that on to um, upload it to the cloud. And that way you always have it. However, I did also do a podcast before any of these other folks are doing podcasts with their kids. I did a podcast with Devin called Devin's Corner. Where he, from the age of three until I believe the age of like seven or eight. Age of four to the age of like seven or eight. Starting with the first episode where he flipped over the front of his bike. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is funny. Also, he um when he was little, when he grew up, he wanted to be a ninja. Not a ninja. He wanted to be a ninja and help old ladies cross the street. That was what he wanted to do when he became an adult. Those moments will never come back. Record them. Trust me. Timothy put his arm around me. I'm really sorry, he said. Remember that first day we met when you were trying to figure out why your admirer wanted to be secret and I suggested it was because he was afraid you wouldn't like him? Yes. Well, I was talking about me, of course. Yes. Well, I was talking about me, of course. How could you think anyone wouldn't like you? I asked. Timothy smiled. That's exactly what I needed to hear, he said. So you're not mad? To quote you, I replied, nah. Hey, what's all this about spying on people and hiding in coiled up rope? Timothy grinned. Have you ever tried it? Spying, I mean. It's great. You'd be amazed what you could find out. You have to be agile and be ready to run if you think you're going to get caught. I burst out laughing. So you've been hiding in place and running away? The Pike kids thought there was a stowaway on the Ocean Princess. They must have seen you. Timothy laughed. I don't believe it. Oh no, I said. Guess what? 
We just missed the whole parade. The last float was disappearing down the street. The people around us were walking away. But we didn't miss the fireworks, Timothy replied. We walked around the park for a while. At 10 p.m., the sky suddenly exploded in the showers of pink and yellow and blue and green sparks. Timothy and I watched in silence. When the last boom had sounded, Timothy cut my face in his hands and gently kissed my lips. Christy called a late meeting of the Babysitter's Club that night. Just a short one, she said on the way back to the hotel. We're all tired, but we need to have one more meeting before the trip is over. What a meeting it was. Stacy told us about Mark Kubaki, and Marianne burst into tears. When she calmed down, Marianne told the others about Alexandra, and I told them about Timothy. But, Marianne finished up, I don't think I'll keep in touch with Alex. We can never be friends. She lies for the sake of lying. How could I trust her? I didn't feel that way about Timothy at all, but I didn't have to say a thing. Everyone has seen us together, and I knew I'd remember his kiss for the rest of my life. No, no, you won't. You won't. Seriously, you won't. There's so much more out there. You'll remember when you see him at the high school games. Whatever, but that's like two years down the road, I think. Maybe a year down the road. Past that. Your parents aren't going to drive you out to see him. And his parents aren't going to drive him out to see you. So that long distance stuff ain't going to work. And y'all talking on the phone, they're going to be like, you run up our phone bill because that's long distance. So that ain't going to work. And then it's just going to fade out. Sorry. But his parents are rich. So maybe you should keep in touch with them because you never know. You are kind of king of uh, getting the secret admirer gifts. So he's rich. So, I mean, you found a good one at a young age. You should stick around. The only thing that could have made that moment better was a photo. A picture of us that I could look at whenever. Wait a sec. You guys, I cried. I've got it. I've got it. What? shrieked my friends. I know what to get the brewers and the pikes. What? they shrieked again. We'll put together albums full of photos of the trip and of their kids. We've all been taking pictures. I bet we've got tons of great shots. We can organize the albums to show everything from boarding the Ocean Princess to our last day here at Disney World. And then we can write about the trip. A sort of diary to go with the pictures. Everyone began exclaiming things like, Fantastic! And super idea! And Christy said, Now that's meaningful. Then we started trying to remember just what pictures we had taken. The list was long. And good. Karen Brewer with her manicure. The boys looking for treasure. Stacy thought she had gotten one of Claire and Margot with Mark Kubaki. Okay, said Christy. So what we do when we get home is have our film developed right away and buy two nice albums and some notebooks to write in. We could pay for everything with money from the club treasury. Then we'll ask the other kids to help us. This meeting is adjourned. For those of y'all who don't know, when you take pictures with your phone or whatever, digital camera, whatever, if you go to Google Photos and upload your pictures to Google Photos, you could take those pictures and make them into a um, photo album. And then you can, you know, give them to people. It's pretty dope. I did it for my friend Ricky and uh, Sherelle, my friends Ricky and Sherelle, uh, as a gift for their wedding. Still pretty proud of that. Chapter 23, Christy. Our trip is over. I can't believe it. We got up early this morning, packed, ate a very fast breakfast in the coffee shop, and then everyone who was on the trip waited outside the hotel. It was a sea of people and luggage. Buses started arriving. 
Most of us were going to the Orlando airport to catch flights home. What a mob scene. The airport was even worse because we all wanted to say our goodbyes. Of course, my family and friends in the Pikes were flying home on the same plane. But we had new friends to say goodbye to. I saw Dawn and Parker and Claudia and her secret admirer trying to say private farewells. It wasn't easy. The airport was crowded. They must have felt like fish in a bowl with everyone watching them. I saw Stacy with the Kubakis. First, she spoke with Mr. and Miss Kubaki. After a few minutes, both she and Mark's mother opened up their purses and took out pens and pads of paper. They were probably exchanging addresses. Then they put their things away, and Stacy leaned over to talk to Mark. After a moment, he wrapped his skinny arms around her neck in a tight hug. Stacy gave him a kiss goodbye. As he straightened up, I could see that she was struggling not to cry. Not too far away, Marianne was talking to Alexandra Carmody. They exchanged addresses too, but I knew Marianne would never write to her. I felt a tap on my shoulder and turned around. Mr. Staples was standing behind me. I grinned at him. Well, he said, I guess this is it. I guess so. You know, I've got six grandchildren, all boys, great kids, but if I had a granddaughter, I'd want one just like you. Thanks, I replied in a voice barely above a whisper. And if one of my grandfathers were alive, I'd hope he was just like you. Well, hmm, said Mr. Staples, but I could tell he was pleased. Hey, I went on, there's always Nanny. You two should really get acquainted. Don't know about that. I'm not much on long-distance relationships. How's your Nanny feel about Arizona? I have no idea, I said. Can I give her your phone number and address? Do you have them? No, but I want them so we can write to each other. And so I can call you from time to time, maybe. Watson will let me, I think. You can tell me about your grandsons. Mr. Staples looked thoughtful. Zach is just your age, he said. Really? Where does he live? Seattle. Oh, I'm not big on long-distance relationships myself. But you and I, we could be pen pals or phone pals, couldn't we? Of course we could. Great. I opened my knapsack and found some paper and a pen. I bought the pen at the Magic Kingdom. On the cap was a picture of Mickey Mouse dressed as the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I scribbled out my address and phone number and gave the slip of paper to Mr. Staples. He folded it in half very carefully and stuck it in his shirt pocket behind a couple of pens. Now you, I said. Mr. Staples dictated his address and phone number to me. I'm warning you, I said. As soon as we get to Stony Brook, I'm going to make a copy of this for Nanny. I waved the paper at Mr. Staples. He smiled sadly at me. You're one in a million, kiddo, he said gruffly. Oh, come on. I bet you said that to all the girls. That moment of silence is because this whole look, look. Attention, please, a tinny voice filled the air. Now boarding flight 316 to Tucson. Flight 316 to Tucson. I probably called that Tuxin when I was little. Well, that's me, said Mr. Staples. Suddenly, I didn't know what to say. I don't think Mr. Staples did either. At last, he just held his arms out. I gave him a big hug around his waist. Afterwards, Mr. Staples had to blow his nose three times before he could pick up his suitcase. When he was ready, he waved to me. I waved back. Then he walked away.
I looked down at the paper with his address on it. A tear dripped off the end of my nose and landed on the paper. It splotched up the ink. What a dope you are, I scolded myself. I blotted the tear away. Christy, Christy, come on. It was Karen. I turned around. Our group was getting ready to find our gate. There were 20 minutes until takeoff. I ran after Karen. We boarded the plane like old pros. It looked like the other plane, with two seats, an aisle, five seats, another aisle, and then two more seats in each row. This time, I sat in the middle of the five seats. Karen and Andrew sat on one side of me, Dawn and Claudia on the other. In front of us were the triplets, Nikki and David Michael. They all had their pirate stuff out. I hoped they weren't going to be too noisy. We buckled our seatbelts. Then we put our seat backs and trays in the upright position. You just got on the plane. Why are your seat backs and trays down? First of all, if I get on a plane and out the gate somebody leans their seat back, back in the 80s, them seats went all the way back. Like, all the way back. I'm kicking somebody. I'm Move. Sorry. The plane began taxiing down the runway. Lift off, I heard David Michael cry as we nosed into the air. Across the aisle, Margot Pike reached for her barf bag and threw up. Gross out, shrieked the triplets. Oh, disgust, added Nikki. Margot barfs at anything. Comet, it makes your mouth turn green, sang Jordan. Comet, the other boys joined in. It tastes like Listerine. Comet, it makes you vomit. Five heads turned towards poor Margot. So get some comet and vomit today. You guys, said Marianne, as she handed a Kleenex to Margot. Can it? Can it what? I heard Byron whisper to Adam. Luckily, Marianne didn't hear him. Christy, said Karen, is Margot sick again? Yes. Can I go watch? Karen, of course not. I was getting a headache. In front of me, the boys calmed down. Dawn and Claudia and I tried to think of great pictures we had taken that we could include in the photo albums. After a while, I realized the five boys were awfully quiet. Too quiet. I tried to peek between the seats to see what they were up to. They were all peering at a little crumply piece of paper that Byron was holding. I could see some words on it in a foreign language. And at that moment, a man who was walking down the aisle leaned way over across Adam and Nikki to let a flight attendant rush by him. He happened to see the crumply piece of paper. Pardon me, he said with an accent. The boys looked up at him. You're from Holland, yes? said the man. All five boys shook their heads. American? asked the man in surprise. Yep, said Adam. Oh, my mistake. I saw the copy machine diagram. What words in Dutch? I think you're from Holland too. I am Dutch. Copy machine diagram? repeated Byron. Dutch? Yes, said the man. He pointed to the paper. My company, it manufactures copiers. That is a picture of, how do you say, the insides of a machine. How coincidental that he just happened to be on the plane with them and happened to speak Dutch and happened to know exactly what he was looking at because he was part of the company. It just all comes together when you write the story. Oh, brother, muttered David Michael as the man went on his way. What was that all about? I asked Claudia and Don. They shrugged. The rest of the flight was pretty quiet. We landed on time and Margot barfed again. 
Well, I said to Mom and Watson as we filed slowly off the plane, it's over. I can't believe it. Back to boring old life. Mom laughed. Not quite yet, she said. We had entered the waiting area and she pointed straight ahead. At first, all I could see was a gigantic welcome home sign. Then I began to recognize faces. Dawn's mother and brother, Marianne's dad, Claudia's parents, her sister, and her grandmother, Mimi. Stacy's parents, and last but not least, Nanny. Nanny, I cried. I broke away from my family and ran to her. I threw my arms around her. Oh, Nanny, it was the most wonderful trip. You won't believe everything that happened. And guess what? I got a boyfriend for you. Nanny linked her arm through mine. Tell, tell, she said eagerly. The trip, this boyfriend, everything. And I began to tell her the story of our trip. Yeah, because that's how grandmothers will respond when you tell her, I got you a random boyfriend, Grandma. I did that. I guess if I said it, it would come out differently. My my grandma, being a sound mind and body and being black, would be like, Boy, who are you talking to? Who are you giving out my number to? Talking to strangers? And then my parents would be like, yeah. And then he had him sit down with us at dinner, and I ran him off. He couldn't play spades or nothing. It would have been a whole thing. But eagerly, mm-mm. Ain't no eager. Ain't no eagerly. Chapter 24. Christy. Two months after our trip was over, Stacy received this card in the mail. Saturday. Dear Stacy, it's been a long time since we said goodbye at the airport. I hope you haven't been too worried. We wanted to wait until we had definite news before we wrote to you. Mark's surgery was difficult. He was very brave, but he kept suffering infections after the operation. The doctors had warned us about that. Still, Mr. Kubaki and I weren't prepared for how frightening it will be. Happily, Mark was allowed to come home a week ago. His recovery is expected to be slow but steady and complete. By this time next year, he should be a normal, active boy. He wants a bicycle for his birthday. Please drop us a line when you have the time. All the best, the Kubakis. P.S. Mark wants to write something here. Hi, I'm home. No more wheelchair. A bike isn't the only thing I want for my birthday. I want a skateboard too, and I want a backpack to go camping. I want to see you. Maybe we can visit Connecticut. I love you. Love, Mark Kubaki. And that is the end of our trip. The very end. Stacy insisted it wasn't over until we knew how Mark's operation turned out. So now we know. Successful and happy and wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for the trip. It was the greatest trip we can imagine. And you are the greatest parents and friends we can imagine. The end. I got scared for a moment there. I couldn't remember if the kid had died or not. And when I was a kid reading this, in hindsight, if I was a kid reading this and he had died and that was the very last thing they did, I'm like, that would have, you know, that would have been a downer. So I'm glad he's okay. Oh man, I was scared. But yeah, a lot of coincidences in this book. A lot of rich white stuff. I wonder if rich black folks act like that too. I'm sure they might, their kids, something. But all I ever see on HBO, like when they did the rich kids growing up movies, were rich white kids. They didn't look at black kids. So, yeah. 
916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook, leave a review on Spotify, leave a review on Podchaser, copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts, copy and paste that in the Good Pods, donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast, also at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, and on Good Pods there's a tip jar. Thank you all for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, did you say?